When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And we're coming to you after Purdue's, uh, I wouldn't really call it an upset, uh, but lost to Fresno State. Purdue uh, lost in Ross-Aid, first game of the Ryan Walters era, first game of the 100th season at Ross-Aid Stadium. Purdue sits at 0-1, and that's, I mean, that's what we're going to talk about today, offense, defense, coaching. Uh, new Ross Aid Stadium. It's pretty much gonna gonna be the entirety of the podcast. So since that is what we're doing, I wanted to go ahead. This is the last time we're gonna tell you about this. The very last time we are gonna bug mm-hmm. you about the fans first uh, contest to get you four seats to the NFL game of your choice. Uh, Ryan, if you couldn't go to the Bears Packers game, mm-hmm. do you have do you have a second game you would want to go see? Ooh. Um, I think so. Um, now I think there's, there's yeah, I did, two in mind. Okay, I did throw that out out of nowhere at you. So yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, I do have two that I would actually be interested to see. Okay, the first is the Lions at the Chiefs. Okay, yeah, that would be. I mean, oddly enough, a lot of a lot of expectations on the Lions this year. Yeah. Um. So, if nothing else, I would get to see a division foe lose. Yeah, true. So, that's always nice. Um, And the other game that I'm thinking that actually might be pretty interesting is the Bengals and Browns division game. Um, We'll see what the Browns can do this season. The Bengals are supposed to be pretty good. See Charlie Jones. Yeah, also. David Bell, see if he gets any actual playing time this year. Yeah. And also get to see uh, Marcus Bailey, too. He plays special teams. He does. Yeah, and maybe, you know, with you can win tickets up to $5,000. So if you go to that game in Cleveland, you could maybe get some good seats in the dog pound. Uh, that would be right. a pretty intense way uh, to, to go to your first Cleveland Browns game against the Bengals in the dog pound. So, it you know. Yep. $5,000, you can get four NFL tickets to the week one game of your choice. All you got to do, go to contest.fansfirstsports.com, fill out the information, hit submit. That is it. Uh, 
If you are listening to this the day this podcast comes out, which is Monday, September 4th, that is the very last day you can enter, the very last mm-hmm. day. So uh, if you're listening to this and you have not already entered, go to contest.fansfirstsports.com. The link will be in the show notes as well. Go ahead, click that, fill it out. You can see if you're going to be the winner uh, of four NFL tickets valued up to $5,000. And I will tell you, I went and filled out the form uh, just to check it because we had a listener um, who, who said it wasn't working for them, but we got it all squared away. So I had to tell the folks at Fans First, I was like, hey, uh, I had to do this to test it. So is there any way you can take my name out? And they're like, yeah, don't worry, you won't win. And I was like, well, that's that stinks disappointing yeah i wish they would have just been like oh no just we'll leave it in and what happens happens but uh you know these guys are nothing if not above board uh so they're like don't worry we'll take care of it uh so i I couldn't sneakily win the whole thing and and get four nfl tickets but you know you you take what you can get and unfortunately for me it's not going to be four nfl tickets that's all right though we are not the university of iowa we do not have nepotism. No yeah. fe- friends and family discount here. Yeah, and we're also not gambling on ourselves. Uh, so right. it's, a, it's a double-edged sword there at Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, though, I feel like a lot of our listeners, you know, it's Indiana, Colts fans, Colts play at home week one. They do, Colts-Jags. So there's there's your opportunity, folks. That's right. Although I'm not sure how expensive Colts tickets are uh, coming into this game. I'm not sure what the expectations are, but we'll see. Rookie quarterback? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, you just never know. Maybe you've got Peyton Manning. Maybe you've got Ryan Leaf. You, who knows? Ooh. Who can say? I mean, at this point, it could go either way. So uh, so there you go, right. folks. Last chance to enter our contest to win yourself four free NFL tickets to game one, week one. All right, so we're going to go ahead and take a break, and that way we can just go straight through all of our football talk in one sitting, so you won't have to worry about any more ads. We'll be right back with you, folks. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And we are back. So, as we said... Going to spend the entirety of this podcast talking Purdue-Fresno State. Purdue, of course, comes out on the losing end. 39-35 to is your final score. Fresno State has now won 10 straight games going back to last season. And it, as we talked about in our last podcast, these two teams really were pretty evenly matched. And I know it's one of those you see you're playing Fresno State, you see you're, you're a Big Ten team and it's an 
out-of-conference game, non-conference game. Mountain West, you just think automatically Purdue's going to win. It's not going to be an issue. But, you know, Fresno State is a good team. You and I both thought Purdue yeah. would, would walk away with a victory, but that it wouldn't be easy. Um, so before we get too deep into the game, I want to talk about you being at the new ross Aid Stadium. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have a chance to walk around and look at any uh, of the new sections, the student section, those new special uh, fancy seats where you can sit in the Boilermaker Special or the Tiller Tunnel? Oh, I, I looked at all of it. Okay, I got good, good. Just to do that. Good. What? 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 Tell me about it. Yeah. Well, I got to walk a full circle. So that's, right, which that's is incredible. Impressive. Incredible. Never yeah. been able to do that at Ross Aid Stadium. Exactly. So. Obviously, I made some stops around my full circle. Um, the first place I did stop at was the south end zone, and someone came up to me and said, I just realized that this thing looks like a cattle catcher. It's like, yep. Yeah, yeah that was the whole point. <laughs> yep, so in case you didn't know, it's supposed to look like a cattle catcher. And this section looks just beautiful up close as it does online. Um it makes you realize just how big that video board is. Right, Being yeah. that close to it. Oh, my. Just, um, I went to a Notre Dame game when Purdue played them last at Notre Dame, and sitting in front of that board was kind of intimidating at first. Just having that system behind you, I can't imagine what the uh, student section's going through oh, I when bet. they're yeah. in front of it. So when now, when you were walking around, I mean, when you saw the student mm-hmm. section, was it full at this point, or was it still people were coming in? Neither. It was before students even started. Oh, that's to perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, it was empty. So, um, it was. I don't. The one thing I don't understand is well, I understand it, but I wouldn't personally be a fan of it. Is the uh, soccer stadium type seats? Yeah. Um, I get it. It lets you just completely pack everyone in there, and they certainly did. Um, I just I don't know if I would have been a, a fan just having everyone bunched up next to me at uh, times. But hey, be that as it may, people can sit in the regular section as well in the southeast end zone. Right. So you've got options. Uh, I still think they did a very nice job. Um, that was stop one, and then stop two was the above the Tiller Tunnel. Now it's kind of sectioned off for where they actually brought in the Boilermaker Special, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't there at yet when I got in there. Right, right, because so, now they're they're basically driving it in. Right. So it was it's still very nice. I mean, they did it up nice there. Um, I stood underneath where it actually said Tiller Tunnel. Now, the problem is, unless you uh, walk down the stands, you can't really see the tunnel. So, for, like, the people who are sitting in that section, that's really cool. Because you're right there on top of where the players come out. Um, Like, obviously, I was able to walk down there and see. But, like, in a game time, you're not really going to be able to see that unless you're on the opposite side of the field. That's That's the joy of having the credential around your neck. Right. Exactly. Yep. So, um, not many other new, new additions to Ross aid going through. There's really two major stops for me, but it looks like a much more complete stadium. Obviously the, um, the student section's completely moved and I can't really tell how much of a difference that makes only because inside the press box, it's very well yeah. insulated, and yeah. you do not hear outside the press box. Le- so, let me ask you this, and maybe I just failed to notice it previously. Mm-hmm. The band had new uniforms, correct? I believe they were updated, yeah. Okay, so, and was this the first time they'd worn these? Maybe you don't even know the answer, but uh, I just, when I was watching TV, I was like, those are completely different. And <laughs> maybe, like... Because, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, I don't, like, follow the band very closely. I, you know, mm-hmm. college bands, I think, add a great addition to, you know, football and basketball atmosphere. Absolutely irreplaceable. But I'm not, you know, paying terribly close attention to what they're wearing. But when I saw them, I was like, those look different. And, <laughs> and, and it was, like, stark enough that I noticed. So I think I think it had to be completely new for this year, but maybe I'm... 
maybe someone who listens will tell me I'm Yeah, I now that you mention it, I kind of can see it, but um I couldn't really tell you too much. Okay. All right. Um so then then you and Jed uh from Hammer and Rails also uh where you can find our stuff uh headed up to the press box, you know, I know, I believe this was, was this the first game you'd actually covered in, in Ross Aid? Yep. Yeah. So, okay, yep. what was that experience like for you? Well, certainly making me think that me in a press box is bad luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's see, you did this game, you did the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, yeah. What other game did you that's do? It. That's it. Oh, that's it. Well, yeah, that's bad. Over for 2. Not so, great. Nope, not great. But... Um, yeah, being in a press box is a completely different atmosphere than being in a student section. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. Where the last time I was at Ross Aid was in a student section. So, um, definitely a different feeling. Um, definitely odd not having to take Tylenol the day after because your throat and head hurt so badly. Um, so you know, there's that. That's a plus, I yeah. guess. How how um, difficult did you find it not to cheer, especially at a home game like this? Oh, Dion Burks was off to the races, and I was sitting there just kind of clenching my fist. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame you. So. I don't blame you. It's it was it's tough, especially the first couple times. So uh, you'll get right. used to it. But man, there's there's nothing like actually being in the student section or being with the fans. That's why uh, when I'm going back to Lafayette in November for a game, I will not be using the press pass. I will be uh, in this in the crowd with family and friends. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I get to go to so few games in person these days that I, I want right. to be able to enjoy them rather than have to sit there all stoic. Yeah, I will say it's easier not to cheer at football games because, as I said, the press box is cut off from the stands right compared to basketball where you are in that atmosphere yeah 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 i mean basketball you're just completely surrounded whereas football you're you're in uh to paraphrase or to just directly quote ron burgundy you're in a glass case of emotion um you know no one no one up there is cheering everyone is silent so it's you do feel like you're just away from the process it's it's a it's kind of an eerie feeling the first time you do it yeah, speaking of glass cases, that glass case got very hot in the morning when the sun was directly shining. Oh, I in bet, it. I bet, yeah. So, I definitely needed to take the walk around Ross Aid just to avoid the press box Smart. for a bit. Smart. Okay, so I think we've stalled uh, long enough about mm-hmm. what you can see around Ross Aid and everything else. So mm-hmm. that was point one I wanted to talk about. Now, next, you know what went wrong. What went right on both sides of the ball? Do you want to do offense or defense first? Because I think defense has a lot of what went wrong. So I, I don't know if you want to do like a compliment sandwich thing where we do good, bad, good. What do, what do you what do you want to do here, Ryan? You were there. I'm going to let you take the lead choosing offense or defense first. Okay. Um, I'll start with some bad news, but I'll start with the lesser of the bad news. Okay. So we'll start with the... Offensive bad news. Okay, offensive bad news. Let's do it. Yeah. And it really starts with injury. Yeah. So, we found out Garrett Miller wouldn't play. Top tight end. We found out Paul Paferi wouldn't play. Second Second tight end. end. We knew that Garst... Garst... Garst Hurtwig. Garst darn it. That's... Garst, Garst Hurtwig will be coming back next year. Uh, same right. number, uh, just to get an extra year. But he's a freshman, right. so don't worry about it. Trimmed his beard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Gus Hart will get out. He's our starting center. Then uh, Josh Kaltenberger, out, second string center. So Austin Johnson got the start, the transfer from Colorado. Soon into the game, Austin Johnson got hurt. Third string center, out. So... Purdue really did shuffle everything in this game um, in terms of their offensive line. Because once Austin Johnson got hurt and went out, uh, Jalen Grant, our, uh, I believe, left guard, came in. He's moved over to center. And then Luke Griffin came in and played guard. Which, for those that don't, you know, you're listening and you're like, who are these guys? That's exactly the point I think Ryan is trying to make. 
we ha- we were at one point in this game on our fifth string center. Mm-hmm. Y- you don't even have a fifth string center. Like that's not on the depth chart. That's not. Yeah. You, you don't have five deep at all these positions. So the fact of the matter is, it was just like, I would imagine, and granted I wasn't there, Walters and the defense are probably like, or on the, on the offensive coaches are like, who can snap the ball? Who yes, can snap exactly. the ball? And he's like, somebody's probably like, well, I mean, I did it a little bit in high school. Okay. Right. You're moving over. We're swapping it around. I mean, it, the, the center position is so important on offense, and to be down to your fifth stringer even for a little while, because eventually Johnson did come back in, so Purdue was then on their right. third string center. But man, that that is a hard thing to overcome. Yeah, and here's the thing: Johnson didn't come back into center until after Jalen Grant got hurt. Right. So it's like you didn't even know. At one point, we thought Carmen was going to have to go out there, uh, <laughs> Mike Carmen, the sports writer, yeah. go out there and take snaps. I think Allstott could have done it. Did you see Allstott, man? He's still looking jacked. That he is. I um, mean, you put him. He he several. played fullback. He could he could bust some heads down there in the O line. I'm sure. Oh yeah, for sure. So, uh, needless to say, there was a lot of rotation going on on the uh, offensive line and tight end. Um, and because of that, Purdue could not get any push on the offensive line. It None. wasn't happening. I believe it was a seven-play stretch in a row from the inside the two-yard line yeah. where they couldn't get two yards. Well, they, they eventually got the touchdown on that try, but they couldn't get two yards. Then later on in the fourth quarter, they were on the one-yard line, had two shots, and didn't get it. Couldn't get it. So, but in, in fairness to that first drive, Devin Mockaby did score a touchdown. Uh, mm-hmm. It just wasn't called a touchdown and for some reason was not reviewed. Ultimately, didn't hurt Purdue because we ended up scoring uh, later mm-hmm. on, but they kept showing that replay, and it was just like, yes, he's clearly in. He you know, does, mm-hmm. not, he does not go down, crosses the goal line, and he does score, but it, it didn't end up hurting him end up hurting Purdue right. other than, you know, time went off the clock, which who knows what that would have done, but mm. uh, that that was a frustrating aspect of the game as well. Yeah. So um, we'll, we'll mark that as probably the most disappointing aspect of the Purdue offense. Yeah. Just the offensive line couldn't get any push. Devin Mockaby probably had about, what, 20 rushing yards going into the fourth quarter, ended up with uh, 60 mm-hmm. on the day. And it it was it was very difficult to get the ball moving. Fresno yeah, it, State knew it. They would uh, absolutely attack the edges and force Purdue inside, and they could not make any push inside. No, and and like you said, Maccabee had sixty yards on the day, and it was not like a sixty yards where he had a few big ones and then ground out a couple. I mean, he had a twenty yard run, which you'd love to see, mm-hmm. but I mean, the rest of it was just like. Two yards, two yards, two yards. I mean, he was just trying to grind out for every yard. He got stopped for zero a few times. I mean, lost a couple, I think, on at least one. It, mm-hmm. it was it was a very, very tough going. Purdue ended up with 109 yards on the ground. But, um, you know, some of that, I mean, Hudson Card was our second leading rusher with 29 yards. And right. he, he looked pretty good scrambling with the ball. Um, but we'll talk about Hudson Card a little bit later. So, um, yeah, are there absolutely. any other negatives um, for the offense? Because I've got um, one. Yeah, I think I know his name. <laughs> you go ahead. Yeah. So outside of Dion Burks and Abdur Rahman Yassin, uh, the receiving corp wasn't there. Um, and especially TJ Sheffield. Yep. Just TJ Sheffield looked. Not great in this game. He, he had timid. three catches for 22 yards and would not block. It, he, I don't know if it was a jitters thing or what. He just did not block. And, it, you know, if you're not doing that, you're not helping the offense, especially when you're not catching the ball. Exactly. Yeah, you got to do one or the other as a receiver. If you're right. not going to go out there and take somebody out as a blocker, you got to be able to get the ball and make a play and – he did neither one of those things. And if you're yep. if you're going to do neither one of those things, what are you doing on the field for me? You know, why am I keeping you in the game? Yeah. That said, I mean, we know the kind of talent that TJ Sheffield has. Yeah, absolutely. So he's shown he's it. Capable. Um, and that's what that's to me, that's what makes it more frustrating. 
Right. Because right. because we sh- we've seen what he can do. We know he's talented. Hasn't necessarily had as many opportunities because Purdue was so uh, you know one trick pony in the receiving core uh, last year. Right. Um, you know maybe rightfully so. Obviously Charlie Jones had a great year, but if you were a guy like T.J. Sheffield, it had to have been frustrating because you're like, I know I can do this. You just got to give me a chance. And then he's got the chance so far this year. And in one game, it is only one game, uh, just did not take advantage of it. So we'll see We'll see if he improves week two. Yeah. And uh, speaking of one-trick ponies, <laughs> Purdue kind of had one in this game with Deion Burks. Yeah. So I'm kind of transitioning into the good side of the I love it. It now. was so subtle. You, you, it was subtle. Thank you. Um. Yeah, Deion Burks, I mean, take away the 84-yard just explosion on offense where he seemingly ran through half the secondary. Yeah, channeled his Um, best Rondale Moore or David Bell on that one. Absolutely. I mean, take that away, he still has three catches for 68 yards. Yeah. So, which uh, still a really good day. I want to say one thing about that. I saw people both in our on our website comments, on our Facebook page, and on our Twitter mentions, being like, well, you know, if you take that play away from Burks, he didn't have a good game. Okay, but that's not how it works. Right. He, he, he literally... He, did. he still yeah. had a good game without it. Well, yeah, but, like, you can't just say, let's take away the the uh, play where he showed his greatest amount of skill, ran hard, made guys miss, and scored a touchdown. Yeah, but if you take that right. away... Okay, but... In what other area of life would you say, you know that time you did really great? Well, what if you didn't, and what if instead we didn't talk about anything? We talked about everything but that. It makes no sense. It's it's right. the old, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Like, we can make up facts and change things all we want. The fact of the matter is, Dion Burks played great. Uh, he truly looked as fast as Ryan Walters talked about uh, in his uh, pregame press conference. So I am very excited about Deion Burks clearly stepping up to be the number one wide receiver on this team, um, but he needs help. He needs other guys to do more. Yes. Um, and I liked the game out of Yassine. He had four catches for 46 yards. You know, it's it's not awful for a number two slash three receiver, but the important thing is Yassine has been just devastated with injuries in his yeah, career. Yeah. He didn't get hurt this game. That's that's what you want to see. So I think that's encouraging. And if Burks, Yassine, and Sheffield are the three main guys and they're all playing up to their potential, Purdue's going to have a good time. I mean, don't get me wrong. Purdue scored 35 points in this game, 28 of those on offense. But... Um, so I, you know, I think we all thought that this was about where the Purdue offense would be in Game One. Yeah, we, yeah. The distribution was different, but I think the outcome was about what we did. Right, right. And to your point of if those three are the guys, uh, I think the way that they can get better is when our tight ends come back. If right. if Purdue yes. has their top two tight ends in this game, it changes the complexion of the game. The Fresno State defense has to focus more on the tight end position. Um, and, you know, no offense to the guys that were in there at tight end for Purdue, but they're not our, our weapons. They're not who we were expecting to play. And so yeah. if you bring back Miller and Paferi, um, it, it'll be quite a lot. It'll be quite different for our receivers. You know, they'll have more opportunities. And to your other point, I think was a good one. You know, you said Purdue scored 35 points, 28 on offense, of course, the seven via special teams. But if you looked at our pregame predictions, you said Purdue would score 30. I said Purdue would score 31. It, you know, pretty darn close to what we expected on offense. The defense just didn't hold up uh, their end. So uh, I think Mm -hmm. that's a good transition to go into the defense and what we thought worked and what didn't on the defensive side of the ball. And Ryan, uh, take your pick. You know, go go first. What let, do you want to do, good or bad first? Let's let's go with the bad first. Okay, good. Let's I, I get think it we, out of the way. yeah, I think we need to end with a little something good. Yeah. Well, don't worry. We'll end on special teams, and yes. that'll bring us up no matter there what. There you go. Yeah. So, what well, before we go into the defense? Actually, I think we need to touch on Hudson Card. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we completely blanked um, on the quarterback. Yeah, you know, he it's an important role. Yeah, kind of. I think Hudson Card played well 
but he was serviceable. He, he was more than serviceable, but he wasn't spectacular, which I think if you're a Purdue fan, you're okay with that. The only issue is he really did get out uh, played by the Fresno State quarterback. Yeah, but let me ask you this. How much of that do you put on a combination of no tight ends, uh, offensive line just absolutely leaky and you know shifting, and the wide receivers not stepping up? How much of those three issues do you think colored what we saw out of Hudson Card? About 75%. Well, there you go. All right. That's fair. Yeah. So Hudson Card was frequently on the move, um, to put it uh, nicely. Mm-hmm. So he, he was under a lot of pressure in this game, and he didn't make mental errors. I'm, I'm choosing my words very carefully on this. He I did noticed. not make a mental error by throwing the ball to the other team or doing something dumb. Yeah. where I think he could have improved and made a better choice than what he did in times was if he just tuck and ran. Yep, that's exactly I what I was, was going to say. Yes. If he were to just tuck and run rather than um, what he did do a few times, which was hold the ball, hold the ball, back up, and throw it away. Yeah. Now, it's error-free. You know, you didn't make a mistake. But if you tuck and ran... You get four yards, and it's second and six instead of second and ten. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think that is the one thing that was driving me a little crazy about him because he can – I mean, he's he's a lot faster than I thought he was going to be. He really mm -hmm. was able to buy himself time back there. But at times, he would – I mean, even run basically almost up to the line of scrimmage, and he would have room for, as you said, two, three, maybe four yards – um, before he would have gotten taken down, but instead he chose to throw it away or try to make a difficult throw, um, you know, that wasn't gonna really work. But oftentimes he did, like you said, he made the right call and threw it out of bounds. But you know, the way the Purdue offense looked, you got to take yards where you can get them. So if you can right. get three or four yards, um, you need to get those yards. You can't just simply say, ah, "We'll get them next time." You got to do what you can. Um, to move those chains, and I think, I think that's something that Graham Harrell and the rest of the offensive staff will go over with Card and say, "Look, here's where you have the opportunity. You're going to be our star. You're going to be our guy. Here's where right. we need you to show that." Yeah, I mean, you, you, it's very clear that he needs to be a dual threat quarterback. Yeah. If especially in this game where it's you know if you get to the outside and you can get yards, it's a positive um, because I think it was the Fresno State defense was very intent on what they were doing. They were guarding the receivers very well They with, you know, an extra man from their linebacking unit and they were guarding the edge of the offensive line mm-hmm. to force everything inside or force a throw. And that's the one thing that can beat good coverage is a mobile quarterback. And I think to your point of him being fast, I also think that we are very used to Aiden O'Connell. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so there is clearly room for improvement, but, um, we'll kind of get into what the coaching staff said afterwards that gives us some insight that they are going to work on their mistakes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll now, do that. Now, speaking of mistakes, now we can go to the defense. Man, you are just crushing it with these segues today. I'm feeling good. I had a lot of time to think about it. Good, good. All right, let's let's go. Let's start with the bad, like yeah. you said. Yeah, um, the bad. Clearly the secondary. The, that, yeah, I mean, this was the worst aspect of the Purdue defense. Right, save one player. And one and play. true freshman. Yeah, so... Who, who do we start with? Um, I think I think unfortunately we have to start with the guy who's very easy to pick on. Yeah. Um, and it's Cam Allen. Yeah. Cam Allen was getting roasted on defense. Um, they would consistently play a slot man so that Cam Allen would have to play man coverage on uh, him, and he would get open, and oftentimes 
that guy was Eric Brooks, who finished with nine receptions, 170 yards, yeah, he, and two touchdowns. He was absolutely destroying Purdue. Just, I mean, he accounted for nearly half of the receiving yards on the day. Yeah. So, um, clearly, there was an issue there. And, I mean, and for those that didn't get to watch the game or didn't see the final stats, yes, Ryan just said this receiver, Eric Brooks, uh, had 170 yards and was almost half of their receiving yards. That's right. Fresno State threw for 371 yards. Yeah. Mm. That's tough. So, the, yeah, the secondary was just getting flamethrowed all day, and um, if that's a verb. I, I'm um, not sure it is, but I, I, am, I, I just want to point out, because I'd be remiss if I didn't, with their uh, star wide receiver, Eric Brooks, is, of course, the real name of Blade from Marvel Comics. So, okay. clearly, uh, there was a relation. He has superhuman skills and shouldn't have been allowed to compete. So, go ahead. Okay. I mean, yeah, he showed that he had superhuman skills, that's for sure. Yeah, he's a daywalker. Um, but anyway, I understand blown coverages. They happen every once in a while. It seemed that there were more than fair share. It seemed like guys, maybe it's the fact that there's a new system, but would just get caught up in coverage and not know where to go, and then you have a guy who's wide open. Yeah, I mean, and just completely behind the defense. um, Right. And just waltzing into the end zone on at least two of their touchdowns, maybe even three. And Mm. as you said, blown coverage is going to happen. You're not going to get a secondary that's 100% on their game every single play every single drive, but man, there were so many blown coverages, just so many of them, and it is hard to be a cornerback or a safety because when you mess up, it is obvious to everyone, Um, whereas that may not be the same for a linebacker or a defensive lineman, but when your guy beats you as a cornerback or a safety, it is obvious for everyone to see, so you're going to take a beating. Right. Now, not all of the blame can go on the secondary. A lot does. But the other issue that I had with the defense was an issue we are very well aware of. It is not tackling. Yeah. It's the arm tackles, the failure to wrap up. And um, some players, I'm not going to name names here, but they like to go for the big hit and just blatantly don't try to tackle yeah i mean i'll we'll just bring it right back to cam allen it's fine (laughs) i'm not i'm not like attacking trying to attack him personally but he missed a number of tackles because he would just try to lower his shoulder uh and go for the big hit rather than wrap up and sure the big hit is fun everybody goes oh when you do it but when you miss your guy either gets completely free or gets another 5, 10, 15, 20 yards. And I would rather have the guy who is a sure tackler uh, and wraps up his guy every time rather than the guy who, you know, wraps up about 30% of the time and goes for the big hit 70%. You know, we've got to figure that out. So another another smaller issue that I did have, um, those are kind of things that, you can more or less teach or enforce, I should say, where if you, you know, you have to teach them to wrap up or teach them their coverage. Um, And then another thing that you can try and teach is just a pass rush, which wasn't there most of the time. So when a quarterback has more time to throw, he obviously can make a better pass or wait till a receiver gets open. Now, the two bright spots of the, edge on the defensive line were Kydrin Jenkins and Nick Scorton. Yeah, Jenkins was I good. Thought, yeah, I, Jenkins had a, a better game than Scorton, yeah. but I think Scorton had a few nice plays, um, but the problem is it not much was, uh, came stats-wise. It's more, hey, I saw you did something really nice on film, but at the end of the day, it won't count. Yeah, you didn't finish it. Right. So, when the defensive line can't really get through, the passing game has opportunity. And I think we saw that today, 
especially on third down. Oh, third down. Ease. Yeah. I mean, so, Purdue, the Purdue defense started uh, and forced two three and outs. Yep. And then after that, I mean, it was just third. They were allergic to doing anything on third down. It was unbelievable. Yeah, if you don't count the first two drives, um, Fresno State was 11 of 15 on third down. Jeez. And, the, and a lot of those were third and long. Yes, I think at least three of them were third and ten and further. Yeah, I mean, they had a third and 15 they converted. Yep. So, not great. No. Really not great. Um, so, so, I think there's clearly room for improvement. And Ryan Walters is going to have to change something. Yeah. I don't know what that is, is the problem. I don't know what there is to fix in the sense that it's not like he can bring in new talent or better talent this season. Yeah. He has to do something scheme-wise. Yeah, which and, is I mean which is why he got brought in, which is why he got hired. Um right. is because he knows what he's doing on defense. He's clearly shown he's been a rising star in the coaching field. This, you know, you don't earn your money as a coach when you've got all five stars. And you just have to, you know, release the hounds. You earn your money as a coach when you're overmatched, when you don't have the horses, when you don't have the dogs on your team, and you've got to figure out a way to make things work. You've got to find the flaws in the other team, and you've got to play to your strengths of the roster that you have. The roster that you did not build yourself, you know, right. the roster that you've, you've cobbled together. This is where you make your money, is you've got to find a way to get the most out of what you've got. Right, and I'll kind of touch on that in my uh, like overall thoughts when we get there. Um, the last two things I want to touch on, obviously there was there was a little bit of a bright spot on the defensive side of the ball. Okay. That was the interior defensive line. Yeah. Um, between Cole Brevard and Jeffrey Mba uh, and Nichols. No, not Nichols. Uh, just Brevard and Mba. Those two seem to be a very efficient job at plugging holes, not allowing so much up the middle. There was a point where um, the rushing yards were like 20 for Purdue and like 30 for Fresno State in the fourth quarter. Just before they got to the very end when Fresno State knew it just had to rush the ball, it was very efficient for everybody on – the defensive line. So I think that's where we need to recognize that something good happened. Um, everything else is needs work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Well, I was, the last thing is special team. Well, I, I think we at least, and I, I think you mentioned him briefly, uh, but we at least need to note, you know, Dylan Thieneman. Yes. True freshman, uh, led the team in tackles. 10 also had a huge interception, um, covered a lot of ground, went up to get the ball, um, was able to get a foot down inbounds, really thought it was going to be the interception that turned the game because it allowed Purdue to get back in the game, retake the lead, and right. with the hope that that was going to be it, that Purdue was going to win uh, you know, 35-32 to 32, um, if they could just hang on. But unfortunately, it was not to be. But, I mean, as a true freshman out there, did he play perfect? No, he did not. Um but a true freshman out there in your secondary made the biggest play of the game on defense. You got to salute him and and say we really hope to see more of him and see some continued improvement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you you got a little bit ahead of me there. Uh, I was going to mention mention one of his plays on special. Teams. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, but speaking of Thienemans, someone in the press box did bring up the question, and it's very valid. Are there going to be more? Thienemans at the end of the day, or more Anthropes that play for this team? I think it's 3-3 three to three right now. Yep. Um, if you include Drew in just a Purdue sports. Um, okay. You know, because there was only Jackson and Danny uh, Anthrop played football, right? There's no, there's not a third football Anthrop that I'm missing, is there? I don't believe so. Because then, of course, Drew was on the basketball team, and now Dylan Thienemann is the third Thienemann to play on the football mm-hmm. team. So they're beating them if you're just including football and just including like this current generation, uh, whereas I think they're tied 3-3 three, three, 
um, in Purdue sports right now. Well, if we're counting all sports, then we have to bring up the Colvin family, too. Well, yeah, that's true. Well, although Miles technically hasn't played an official Purdue game yet. Yes. Okay. So come November, we'll revisit this. That's right. That's right. Okay. So on to the good things about special teams. Um, One one stands out. Yeah. Tyrone Tracy Jr. uh, made made the most out of his uh, kickoff returns had three kickoff returns for, I believe 144 yards. Yep. And one of which was a 98 yard house call to start the second half. Yeah. And it was, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful return too. It it was, he absolutely just tiptoed down the press box side sideline and just absolutely turned the jets on. And they were saying it's the longest since 2013 when Purdue had two kickoff returns in a seat by um, two current NFL players. Or, well, one's current. Raheem Boster. Right. And I'm trying to remember who the second one was. I can't think of who it would have been. Was it Anthony Brown? It might might have been. Might have been. Yeah. You keep talking, I'll Google. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so clearly that's a big plus if you can have a return game that gets you yards down the field. Um, and there were multiple returns by Tracy that got them in past the 30, past the 35 yard line, which is fantastic. Anytime you can start with the ball closer to the end zone, you've got a better shot. Um, as far as kicking, um, I mean, Purdue didn't have a field goal. Well, we missed so. a field goal. Yeah, they did miss the field goal, but it was a long field. Uh, it was 42. So um, that's got some work to be done, clearly. Um, no extra points missed. That's important as well. Yeah, that's good. And then, I don't know, something about Jack Hansel. It's just it feels like he's not kicking full strength when he punts. Um, it always feels like it's about 80%. Um, that said... The aforementioned Dylan Thieneman decided to be a gunner on one of those punts. Yes, he did. And absolutely obliterate a Fresno State player on the coverage, um, which is, I think it was the biggest reaction um, on a non-scoring play throughout the game. Yeah, and that sounds right. And then he decided to follow that up with his interception. So clearly a really good game for the true freshman. I think he's going to be out there more than the four games to redshirt. Yeah, I would think so. So it was, by the way, in 2013, Raheem Mostert had one for 100 yards, and then Akeem Hunt had the other one for 99. Okay, gotcha, Akeem Hunt. I knew it was two NFL players. Um, So the the last thing I will talk about, I know we kind of went down on him a little bit earlier, but... TJ Sheffield had a really nice punt return. Really good punt return. Yeah, set set Purdue up for a touchdown. And it was something that terrified me when the ball bounced because it was a punt that bounced and TJ Sheffield picked it up on the bounce. Yeah, that does I always like terrify in years me. Past, he years past, he would have absolutely muffed that and just completely misplayed it. But it was a nice play by him, so we can't be all Debbie Downer on TJ Sheffield, but... Um, if he can do what he does on special teams and bring that to the offense, we're in good hands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, no no player is all good or all bad. Um, everybody right. has shades of gray, and, and that is true, uh, like I said, with everybody on this squad. So we're really hoping we can, can just continue to improve. And, you know, next week we've got uh, Virginia Tech. But the last thing we want to talk about um, is the coaching staff. I mean, first game... Yep. Uh, of the Ryan Walters era. He's, of course, not the first Purdue uh, head coach to lose their opener. Joe Tiller lost his opener. Uh, Daryl Hazel lost his opener. Of course, you never want to be compared to Daryl Hazel. Um, but that that is just a fact. Um, Jeff Brom lost his opener. Uh, and then Danny Hope uh, won his opener. So he's, he's the only head coach uh, since Tiller to win his opening game. So... Uh, that could be good for Ryan Walters, could be bad, we don't know. Um, but what did you think of the coaching staff? You know, probably just focus maybe on the coordinators and the head coach because that's they're the you know, the money positions, but 
Um, right. Uh, there is. I, I will jump in because there's one thing I want to ask you about. Um, what did you think of accepting the penalty um, that instead of having Fresno State a fourth and five, he took the 10-yard oh. penalty, I believe it was a holding penalty, so then they got a third and 15, uh, and then converted on the third down. Um, it, it ultimately didn't hurt anything but time, again, because Fresno State lined up for a field goal ultimately on that drive, and they missed it. But, man, that was a head-scratching choice to me. So I will preface this with at least from what I thought was it was going to be a fourth and three. I thought it was only going to be three yards, not five. So I'll start with that. Um, it, maybe it was. Maybe it was. And I think the, I think that's the difference of whether or not you accept this penalty is three and five. Uh, I think if it's within three yards where they were on the field, I think you accept that penalty. However, it did seem like if you had declined the penalty, they looked like they would have already had their punt unit on the field. So I think it's a 50-50 call at that point. Obviously, it didn't work. But I think that Ryan Walters got a lot of flack from it. And I, I'm not sure it was as egregious as uh, some people on Twitter are saying. You you were right. It was a third and 13 uh, is okay. what it became. So it was third and 13 at the Fresno State 47, uh, and then they completed a 14-yard pass. Okay. Yeah, so if you're – if you, so it would have been a fourth down and three at the 37-yard line. So at that point – if you're inside the 40 and if it's less than three yards, I think you go for it uh, if I'm in the mind of Fresno State. Um, so I don't blame Ryan Walters for accepting that penalty because this was still early enough to where you had full confidence in your secondary, um, which drained slowly throughout the game. But uh, So I don't think it was... A terrible mistake. It just didn't work out, unfortunately. Right. Okay. I mean, I buy that. Um, it wouldn't have been what I did, uh, but ultimately mm. it didn't hurt the team. So you'll take it, I suppose. Because they missed the field goal in that possession, right? Correct. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that <laughs> college kickers was all over that. Sickos was over it. Yeah. So, yeah, but... To get back to your original question about the offense or the the coordinators and coaches, I'm not gonna throw Kevin Kane really out there just because I feel like the defensive part of the team is mostly goes on to Ryan Walters, just the nature of the job. I think that Ryan Walters is getting just absolutely wrecked on social media and I don't think it's necessarily justified. No, it's not at all. Could he have made adjustments? Yes. But we need to kind of examine where he came in with this team. Jeff Brom did no favors when he left. No. None at all. He left bare bones to the Purdue program for Ryan Walters to come and pick up. And, you know... We talk about Jeff Brown all the time, what he did for the program. He did that for the program, but that doesn't mean he left players over. You know, he he really did pick all he could off the bone and when he left. So Walters came in, he did what with what he could in the transfer portal. You know, he got some some talented players. I mean, uh, when you look at Hudson Card, you know, he got some dogs. But you know, we live in a world where that may not be enough always. So it's an incredibly difficult job for him. And I think it's going to take some time, as does with these things. So expectation-wise, I think he did pretty much what we expected. He had a team that fought very hard. Mind you, they didn't have many penalties. So that's... That's something that Jeff Brom's camp didn't do, was limit penalties. I yeah. think this is a much more disciplined team, which I am encouraged by. But once the talent starts rolling in and truly rolling in, 
then we can start judging uh, Ryan Walters in how he goes about the coaching situation and see how he can bring that talent in. Yeah. As for Graham Harrell, I had a, uh, some issues with his play calls. Primarily, it almost felt like he was going to pull a Jeff and ditch the running game early on. Yeah, it really did. Especially, I mean, the, after Devin Mockaby fumbled, uh, we didn't see him for quite a while. And I understand, you know, sending a message to your guy, hey, you got to hold on to the football. This is why you're out there. Um, right. But, you know, Mockaby's your number one guy. And you got to allow him to make the occasional mistake. He's a running back, running backs fumble, and we needed him out there. And we seem to have completely moved away from the run for quite a bit of that first quarter. Yes, I agree. And that's kind of what I was leading into into this. However, as I stated before, I think the Fresno State defense was dictating the running game a bit. Yeah, absolutely. So you almost had to go away. So it was either run outside into someone's arms or run inside where your offensive line can't get a push. So it was almost like the comparison I'm going to make is Jeff Brown did it out of spite where like, you know, gosh darn it, I'm going to throw the ball 70 times and I'm going to make it work. Whereas Graham Harrell in this one was like, okay, if I run the ball, it's not going to work. Let me pass the ball. It was almost, uh, it wasn't out of spite or anything like that. It was almost out of necessity. That said, what I would have preferred Graham Harrell to do was run some options, some outside options, which um, it's funny. I I mentioned it literally right after Jed tweeted about it, and I had not, we hadn't talked at all about it. We kind of said the exact same thing. If he had an option uh, run game there, I think it would have shored up the outer edge. It could have brought some of that secondary in, um, and it could have opened up the game a little bit more. So I don't think he did the absolute best he could have, but there were definitely positives in the game. You know, they had almost 370 yards of total offense. Like, clearly something worked. Right. Um, and I one thing I, one thing to to kind of manufacture a little bit of you know I I know it would have been would have been receiving yards but I mean I didn't see very many screen passes out there either um, mm-hmm. and it, they needed to do something they needed to change something up stretch the field a little bit um, and you know a screen pass everybody can run a screen pass everybody can should be able to execute that play. Um, whether it's a tunnel screen, bubble screen, you know, any kind of screen pass. Um, I, I just, I wanted to see a little more variety. And mm-hmm. I, I think, yes, with the offensive line playing how it was, maybe that wasn't the smartest, but you got to go out there and you got to try something. Um, yeah. And man, it, I, I, you are right about the running game. Um, Fresno State was funneling everything to the inside. And so, it did look like Purdue kept trying to run it directly behind center. Um, but I think a lot of that was just, you know, things were breaking down. But y- you got to be able to see that if you're the coaching staff and you got to have a way to counter it versus they seem to just be throwing the same thing out there that they knew was going to be funneled to the inside, funneled directly to the center. And it just wasn't working, especially down at the goal line. You know, that that turnover mm-hmm. on downs there in the fourth quarter, which uh, thanks to Thieneman's interception, Purdue got another chance. But, man, they just – the play calling was very bad, I thought, at the goal line. They just kept trying to do the same thing that wasn't working. There was no real inventive offense down in the red zone. Yeah. I So I think you hit it. I think – I know you used the word inventive. I think the word I would use is creative. I mean – Yeah, that's fine. Same thing. I agree. It wasn't creative. It, you know, there wasn't anything where the defense hadn't seen this before and something could have gone wrong. Right. Um, kind of going back to your point about the screens. I think the issue was, was the wide receiver blocking on those screens. Now, if you had a running back screen, that's a completely different thing, but the two, um, wide receiver screens they did have, I'm pretty sure that both plays got absolutely blown up. Um, So I think if 
memory serves me correctly, um, Purdue had, um, I want to say, four different times where there was just back-to-back runs that went for nothing. And you can't have that. You really can't. Even if they're inside, outside, whatever, you cannot do that. And that's essentially a dead drive, right? You know, back to plat, back to back, no yard gains. You're putting yourself in a deep hole. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they put too much pressure on Hudson Card in the past game, just by the sheer we cannot run the ball our way, so we can't run the ball at all. Obviously, going forward, I hope that the offense is called a bit differently, and I hope that the stars can come out and shine a bit more. But what else can you really say? Um, They did okay in the passing game. They managed to try their best on the rushing game. And I didn't leave absolutely disappointed in the offense, which is kind of a good thing because I know they can do better. Yeah. And, um, I just I hope that they show that they do do better this season rather than further down the line. Yeah, yeah, and especially like we've said a number of times with the offensive line, hopefully, you know, healing up and coming back with two tight ends that we we trust a little bit more coming back. Hopefully, that will make a little bit of a difference, um, maybe more than a little bit of a difference. But um, yeah. any any final thoughts on this game, this coaching staff, this team? Um, you know, we're not going to talk about Virginia Tech today, but that is Purdue's next game. We're going to record another one midweek mm-hmm. as we as we are going to do, you know, for the rest of this football season. Um, Virginia Tech, honestly, not as good as Fresno State. So um, that mm-hmm. should give Purdue uh, an opportunity to kind of maybe get things right. But, man, I sure would have liked to have played uh, somebody like UConn or Indiana State in week one rather than Fresno State. That was one of the two things I was actually going to bring up is that, I wonder if the athletic program is going to start gearing towards that sort of schedule moving forward. Enough with the play two ACC teams in uh, in the non-conference. Uh, have a sandwich of, I don't want to say FCS, but you know, throw a MAC team, yeah, yeah. Uh, non-conference Power Five that's a lower end. Say I don't know, you know, a Virginia Tech. And then throw in an FCS team. Have a really bad, a middle, and a higher. Instead of two hires and a middle. Yeah. Well, and the, and the other problem, too, with football schedules is they make them so far in advance. You just don't really know how your team is going to do. And not only how your team is going to do, but how the opponent's going to be. Um, you know, who knew that Fresno State would be this good when we made this when we um, scheduled this game. Who also knew that maybe Virginia Tech would be this bad when we scheduled this game? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they right. thought the opposite. Maybe they thought the two would be flipped. Yeah. So the last thing I kind of want to mention, I noticed this during the game, um, and it gives me a lot of hope for when Gus Hartwig comes back. The speed of the snap was really slow from the – Backup center from the third, fourth, and fifth centers. Correct. Getting the ball to Hudson Card's hands was slow. It seemed like, and this is something that you don't really pick up on until you realize that that half second, that quarter second, is the difference between getting the extra half yard into the end zone or turning the ball over on down. That's so fascinating. I, I'll have to I'll have to go I back noticed, and look. I've got the game on my DVR, so I can go back and watch. Yeah, it, and again, it's something that, honestly, I played center in high school, so it's something I'm kind of looking for. Makes but, sense, yeah. Um, yeah, they didn't call me to play fifth string center. I <laughs> but was you were playing. ready. You were ready, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's something that makes a difference if you're trying to establish a really efficient run game. So when Gus Hartwig comes back, that's something I look forward to is quicker snaps. Good, good. Hey, I mean, that's good insight. That's something I didn't notice. So, um, well, there you go, folks. That is that is the story of Purdue going 0-1 to start the season. But, hey, you know what? There's 11 games left. Um, I, I want to say one final thing, and I'm going to close with this. 
if you mm-hmm. are online and you are all up in your feelings saying that everyone needs to be fired and Hudson Card needs to transfer, as I saw numerous people come into our Twitter mentions and say, like, just log off, man. You're not doing any good. You're saying just absurd things. You've given no one a chance on the season. And, like, I love football. I get irrationally angry, um, you know, as much as the next guy, maybe a little bit more. But, like, take a breath. Touch some grass. Like, it's yeah. going to be all right. I'm just, I'm just happy Purdue football is back. I get to spend 12 Saturdays, well, 11 Saturdays and one Friday watching Purdue football, and you know I couldn't be happier with it. So I'm going to enjoy the ride. I'm going to see what happens throughout this season. I'm looking for some improvement, uh, and I'm looking to just see where it goes. Look, Ryan Walters' era has started. That's right. And it's another era we will be uh, fully invested in. That's right, as always. So for Ryan <laughs> and myself, thanks so much for joining us, folks. We'll see you at middle of the week. And don't forget, Drew and Garrett are going to have – their uh, episode breaking down the X's and O's coming up in just a couple days. All Boiler right, up. Fantastic. Hammer down. <laughs> <laughs>